What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. Free for the Pride Detroit. Dot com doing things a little differently this week because it is week 18. The Detroit Lions have already clinched the division. They've already clinched a playoff spot. They pretty much clinched the three seed, not completely, but mostly have. And so we're not going to only talk about the Detroit Lions versus Minnesota Vikings game this week. We are going to talk a little bit more about all of week 18 and the playoff implications for the Lions. But before we get into it, that my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. And my only, I was gonna my I was gonna say my only guest. You're not my guest. The only person I am going to converse with over the next thirty to forty five minutes is the co-host of First Bite. Is the senior editor of Pride of Detroit. Is at Ryan underscore pod on Twitter. Ryan Matthews is here. Ryan, we've made it. We've made it. You can be honest with the people though. Like just say that you couldn't stand eight hours of Arif Hassan within four, within four weeks of your the, life. The live audience is upset that Arif isn't here and understandably. So I, I, yeah, I oh, yeah. we had a long conversation, whether we were going to bring Arif on for another conversation or not. If you do want more Arif Hassan, I did literally just get done recording over an hour with him on the Norse code podcast N O R S E code podcast. So if you want more Arif and that that's fine. If you do, I wanted more Arif. The schedule, this is all the schedule makers fault because we just talked to him two weeks ago. There's not much at stake this week. You already pretty much know everything. Like maybe if they were even starting a different quarterback, we'd bring Arif on, but we, we already know who Nick Mullins is. It's, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if, if, if you were expecting a long conversation about the Minnesota Vikings and all the hilarity that, that Arif brings, but it's just going to be us too. Uh, we are going to talk, take this first segment to talk about the game coming up, but we're mostly going to talk about kind of like things we're looking forward to things we want to see, because again, the Lions win this game. It doesn't even necessarily mean they get the second seed. They need a lot to happen, which we'll talk about in the second segment. So let's talk. Let's talk about the game. Let's put the game in front of us here. The Lions. Let's start with playing their starters, because I think that's a pretty big topic that, that everyone likes to talk about and debate. And the Lions have made it pretty darn clear that they are going to play their starters. You know, Dan Campbell said, if if the two seed is still available to us, then we are going to try to win it. And because everything else that has to happen happens at 430 or later, the two seed is going to be on the table by the time this game starts and throughout the entire game. So do you agree with that, Ryan? Is that the right approach? I don't know. if I don't know if it's the right approach, but it's Dan Campbell's approach. And I guess <laughs> all of us should have understood that this was coming yep. no matter what. Right. Like we understand that this guy. Um, I think here's what's important to note, though, right, is Dan has been on either side of the locker room. He's yep. been a he's been a coach. He's been a player. He knows what it feels like to be an NFL player at the end of a grueling 
NFL regular season, he wouldn't push these guys beyond their limits, right? He would, he knows. And I think that's the thing maybe that most of us don't outwardly appreciate about Dan Campbell, but um, I I think all of us subconsciously do is that this guy knows when to push the pedal and when to, to back off when it comes to, you know, keeping players healthy and keeping them, you know, in the right spot and in the right situation. And I think that week 18, the two seed is still on the table, Jeremy. I agree with what Dan is doing. Um, I, I know I did, did the comments that he made forget after which week it was, maybe it was after the, the Vikings game, the lions had wrapped up the division. Did, did the comments that he made about like, you know, players can rest when the season's over. <laughs> did, did that rub you the wrong way? Did that? No, it but, but it brought us here, right? Like we yeah. knew what yes. was gonna happen week 18, no matter what. Correct. Um, and yeah, I, I'm a little mixed because I do think the line should take this opportunity to get some rest. I don't think they need to go into this week thinking we've got to win this one for the two seed. I do think the two seed is far enough away where it's not realistic. And, and yeah, maybe there's a scenario in which Dallas loses as 14 point favorites and you kick yourself saying, man, we could have had that two seed if we had tried a little bit harder. One, I don't think it matters that much Two, I I, I think that it, the scenario I'm talking about is so so out of whack, so out of reach, that it's not going to happen. But I also think like this, I think there's this perception of resting your starters that is like, yeah, we're just going to play no starters. That is physically impossible. You can't do that with an NFL roster. You do not have enough call-ups from the practice squad. You don't have a deep enough bench to do that. If the Lions wanted to rest all five of their offensive linemen, they can't even do that. They have eight active on the roster. They have to play at least two of them. And considering, you know, you want your quarterback to live, you probably want four of them to play um, at least. So, right. that That's not a situation that you want to put Hendon Hooker in. Right. right. No. <laughs> And, no. and, that's, and that's no way to treat Teddy Bridgewater in his last NFL regular season <laughs> right. game. Exactly. Uh, especially against a, a complicated defense like Brian Flores, like that is not setting up anyone for success. So in that essence, like, yeah, of course, they, they're going to kind of have to play their starters because that's just how it works. The rosters aren't big enough. Um, but like, do I want to see Amonra play in this game? No. Do I want to really see Jared Goff play in this game? No. Aiden Hutchinson? No. Like, I I think your superstars, the guys that you know you're going to have to rely on, I kind of wish they'd be sitting in this week. It's not this. I'm not I'm not going to bury Dan Campbell for this. Even if one of those players, God forbid, gets injured in this game, I'm not going to bury him because I I understand what he's doing. I I I get his point of view. It's just not what I would do. That doesn't necessarily make him an idiot or me a genius. I would say maybe the latter of that is true, anyways. But. I'm just saying this isn't how I would run it and I'm not, I'm not going to flip tables over it. Sure. Well, I, I think the next thing to talk about though, is there are a couple of guys who, I don't know if you want to call them superstars, but they're going to be very important pieces for the, for the lions in the postseason. Uh Ali McNeil and CJ Gardner Johnson, right? We're yeah. expecting to get both those guys back on the field mm-hmm. on Sunday. Let, let's start with CJ. Okay. Because yeah. I, I, I thought the Aaron Glenn comments were pretty interesting from today, right? Like, yeah. Three safeties, you're gonna see it. And and maybe it won't be their their base defense or or whatever it may be, but like they're gonna find a way to get all three of those guys, you know, CJ, Afatu Melafandu, and Kirby Joseph on the field at the same time. Um what 
what do you think their workloads are going to be? Because it's a, it's a weird situation, right? It's their first NFL game action for yeah. you know for for Aleem, it's it's his first action since you know the beginning of December. Um, and and CJ hasn't seen a football field in in over three months. So right. like, do what do you think? Like a, a big workload? Do you want them to get NFL you know game speed ready or? you know, dip their, dip their toes in the, the kitty end of the pool. Yeah. I mean, for CJ, I'd like to get him as much as possible. Right. It's even as a veteran, even as a a professional, as much as he is and and how hard he's been working to get back, there's nothing like game experience. There's nothing like just being out there and going through all those motions to be ready by the time playoffs hit. And so, yeah, I'd really like to see him get a big workload. I, I really don't know what they're going to do though, Ryan. Like I don't, I don't think three safety sets are going to be the norm. I think those will be sub packages to me. It almost sounded more like Aaron Glenn was just saying like, yeah, everyone's going to get a good chunk. It's almost like the, the, the Dan, uh, the, the Jack Campbell, Derek Barnes thing where it's like, sometimes those two will be out at the same time, but it's really like one or the other, but both are going to get a ton of snaps. And so that it, it almost feels like there's going to be like, each guy is going to get 66.6% of the snaps type of thing where, um, you know, two thirds multiply by three, you get two safeties. Um, Real quick. I think to that point too, though, I think you want to have CJ playing with Kirby and you want to have CJ playing with a Fatu Malafonwu. If they're not going to be in the, like you want as many opportunities to build in that communication, that baseline of communication between those guys, because they'll be rotating, like you said, a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point too, with like, he hasn't played with Iffy before. He doesn't he doesn't necessarily have that communication built in, uh, doesn't necessarily have that chemistry built in. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point that that I hadn't considered um, with Aleem. Uh, there's a little bit of that, too, because at, one of the interesting things that that also came from Aaron Glenn's press conference today was I, I was asking about Alu Alu because Alu Alu got a ton of snaps last week. And I'm like, that's interesting. He's also a veteran that you probably want to you don't mind relying upon in, in the postseason, right? You want guys who've been experienced and have been through that. And his answer was like, yeah, we, we were really excited about him. We, you know, I thought he played really well. It's good to have a 37 year old in, in the lineup. And I'm really excited to see what Aleem can do next to him. And so that's another chemistry thing where it's like, okay, let's get those two guys out there and see what they can do up the middle and see if they can cause a little bit more disruption than, than we've seen most of this year. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to get Aleem out there a ton. He's only been out for a month. He's he's a professional. I, his press conference was really fun and interesting too. He was talking about like I I almost feel like I'm I'm coming off an off season program. I'm I'm that fresh because I've I've caught up on sleep. I haven't been running my butt off. Um, and so uh, it'll be nice to kind of just get him same kind of thing. Get your feet wet, but I feel like he's a, more of a guy that can probably hit the ground running. Yeah. And also uh, Benito Jones, right. Added to the injury report with an illness. So that's um, the interesting calculus that's going to be going on along the interior of the defensive line. And and that's the the, the interesting thing too, I thought was the Alu-Alu stuff. Cause I mean, the lions do wave Isaiah bugs and it's like, Oh, they really trust Alu-Alu. Like not, not just, it it was weird because it's not like you look at the snap count and it's like, wow, he out snapped all of the interior defensive linemen. Oh, they're waving bugs. Oh, like maybe this was almost, um, you know, making the best out of a uh, a bad situation, you know, losing yeah. a lame for, for a few weeks. Well, you get Alu-Alu in the door and he, he fits right in. So, yeah, that's that's encouraging. Yeah, no question. Um, Is there anyone to- on the offensive side of the ball, though? In that that need to get the feet wet? 
Well, we, we just talked defense, right? Like, yeah. and those guys are specific, you know, situations or scenarios where you have guys coming back from injury. Is there yeah. anybody on offense that like you need to like see anything from? Cause I'm with you, like the skill right. position players, like Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, like bubble wrap, like well, Craig Reynolds, you know I, what I, I mean? Like, yeah, I think, I think all the intrigue on the offensive side of the ball are hitting records, hitting certain oh, yeah. marks, oh, yeah. right? It, it, Which it's, is cool. It's Sam Laporta setting all of these rookie records. It's David Montgomery and J- Jameer Gibbs potentially both getting over a thousand yards, which is what the seventh or eighth time that's ever happened in the NFL. And I think only the fourth or fifth with a pair of running backs, because most of those include a, a quarterback. Um, so like, that's something to to watch for and kind of like keep tabs on. And I'm sure the graphics are going to keep showing up on the screen, how close each of those guys are. Um, but in terms of like things to prove, no, I mean, like m- maybe, Maybe if we're talking about uh uh I, I forgot this game this guy's name on Reef's podcast. Uh Donovan Peoples Jones. Yeah. Like I think he's a guy that that probably gets more playing time because I'm I'm almost certain Jameson Williams isn't gonna play this week. And so he's a guy that's shown up in, in flashes. He's made a couple of big catches here and there, but I think he's gonna get a bigger opportunity in this weekend to have just another weapon that Jared Goff trusts would be helpful in the and and to be clear like we don't know if Jameson Williams is going to be ready in the wild card round we 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 certainly hope so um but he hasn't practiced at all we haven't seen him in the locker room at all Dan Campbell said it wasn't a serious injury but that doesn't mean it can't be a two or three week thing instead of just a one week thing so i think maybe Donovan Peoples Jones is one of those guys where it's like i'd like to see him make a little progress get a little work with with Jared Goff and maybe make three four catches this week instead of you know his typical one yeah, right. And and I think the thing that's really reassuring is that we're not worried about expending another week on can Jamo and Jared Goff get on the same page? Because <laughs> it feels like for the past few weeks, like I've been each week, I almost feel like we're we're stacking games in a way with Jamo where I'm feeling that reassurance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not just he's not a one yeah. trick pony. It's not yep. a, an end around or a, a deep shot. It's like all of those things. It's it's the it's the, you know, the slants that he's running and the balls that he's catching on the uh, on the sideline and then making plays after like contested the contested catches. Of, yes. The contested catches are something where it's like, man, like, you know, rewind to August. And it's like, can Jameis Williams catch the ball? <laughs> and, and 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 now he's doing things that you know, it's really reassuring if he can go yeah. in the wild card round, it feels like the lions have a true ace up their sleeve. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's, that's awesome to think about with, with this offense, but yeah, it, it's the defense really, right? Like there's yeah. just some things of how I want to see where's Afatu playing, you know, what, you know, how is he being worked in and, 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 and things of that nature. And, and maybe there's an opportunity for some outside corners, right. To, to maybe get some extra work where, Hey, maybe they test some things out with with Cam Sutton and how they might be bracketing uh, a player like a Cooper Cup or a player like a Puka Nakua or, you know, whoever it may be that they face in the wild card round where they can they can test drive some stuff and be like, all right, this is how we can maybe, you know, not let a wide receiver get over 200 yards on us in the first round of the playoffs. And is is there a better wide receiver duo to like test your test run anything when in, in Addison and Justin Jefferson. I mean, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's, it might need be a rough. quarterback, but true, true. That's <laughs> very fair. But Mullins, Mullins is capable of making good throws at times. If, if he's comfortable if, and bad uh, throws and bad, and bad throws, he's yeah, no question about it. But uh, he, 
he's really moved that offense pretty consistently. It's it's just the turnovers that that have been his issue. And so the Lions are probably going to look to continue that trend. It, it's what they continue to talk about in in their improvement, which is a little bit interesting to me. It's not it's not about improving necessarily on a down to down basis with them. It's creating those disruptive plays. And they've been good about it really over the past three or four weeks, not just, I mean, the, the four interception performance helps, but they created a couple last week with the fumble and an interception. They, they created a couple against new Orleans. They, they created a couple. I think the, the other week that I'm not the bears. I don't know if they got one against the bears, but either way, no. they did against the Broncos. Remember they won the, the Broncos. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, the, the lines credited their defensive turnaround last year with the proliferation of a bunch of, Turnovers, and I know Dan Campbell believes that's what's happening right now. We're starting to witness that turnaround on defense, primarily because of the turnovers. And I think I, I feel a little bit weird about that because I do feel like turnovers can be very hit or miss. They can either come in waves or you can go long periods of time without them. But at the same time, those tend to be forced in some way or another. And it's hard to deny that if Atum Helifanu is forcing plenty of those on his own, whether he's making the right reads in the secondary or providing pressure. Um, you know, he forced a sack and uh, forced a fumble via sack. Um, Kirby's playing better. Aiden's getting three sacks a game. Um, and so all of that, I think, leads to more turnovers, leads to more disruptive plays, leads to more negative plays. And and while you still might get burned for 350 yards, if you're getting those plays, you're potentially getting off the field. And that's what you need to do to win these ball games. Yeah, for sure. Um, last thing before we go, Jessica Binda. Okay. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, he's probably going to play in this game. Uh, I don't know if I really want to talk about Jason Kabinda, but it, it, it's probably worth noting that he's probably going to even be tight end too. I, listen, it's clear this team values something about Jason Kabinda, and I think it probably just goes beyond, um, you know, special teams. They, they, they activated him for a reason, right? I know, they then release him and he's on the practice squad, but he's, he's going to get called up because you know, they, they cut Ferkser today. You, you definitely, you still don't have Brock, right? And so you're going to need someone who can play something that resembles a tight end. Um, and so it'll be that guy. And I don't, I mean, that's not that exciting, but yeah. I feel, I felt it was important to throw it out there. No. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it'll be interesting to see how he's used. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't even think too much about him being used as, as tight end too. I mean, James Mitchell Three, is still yeah. there, but yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe they might, maybe they might use this as an opportunity to be like, okay, well, you know what, run a route here, here or there and, and see what we can, we can do. If there's one other thing that we won't see in the Minnesota game that fans are hoping to see the following week, it's James Houston, man. Like, mm. and, yeah. and I, I guess my question to you would be, how nervous are you with putting a player as green as James Houston still is to the sport of football? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yep. he, he talked about that, right? He talked about how I just picked up football. My what was it my senior year of high school? Yeah. He played one year in college in senior year. He got injured, but yeah, one yeah. year before that. And yeah. then so, obviously and rotational at best at Florida gets one year, uh, at Jackson, State. At Jackson State and what nine games in the NFL half a, half a season in the NFL yeah yeah um what's your what's your confidence level of of J James Houston going into the wild card round and how often do you think fans should expect to see him on the field if he if he's healthy and ready to go yeah it's it's 
it's hard, man. I part of me is still holding out hope that he plays just like even like a 10 snap game this week. I'd love to see. I just I feel like it's so important. And it's not completely off the table. You know, Dan Campbell kind of said off the cuff on the radio that he doesn't see James Houston playing. That was on Tuesday. They hadn't even practiced. So it's, you know, there's a small potential that James Houston shows enough in practice this week to to get a little bit of a gig. Um, that would be ideal um, because I do think it's it's concerning for any player to come off the bench after missing four months of not, not just playing of practicing and then just coming in and, and, and firing out of a cannon and being ready. I do kind of think they're not going to have much of a, an option though, because Bruce, I mean, they, they cut Bruce Irvin and to me, it, the more and more I hear about it, the more and more, it sounds like there was something mutual going on. Maybe Bruce Irvin didn't want to be, be around. I, I get the sense that if everyone was on board, Bruce Irvin would still be on this team and and maybe would be that kind of insurance case in, in the playoffs if they didn't think James Houston was ready, Bruce Irvin would be playing. Um, instead, I don't know who else you got. I don't know who else you can trust to be that third down, obvious passing situation, pass rusher opposite Aiden Hutchinson. There, there just isn't a guy. And so if if you know, if if James Houston overruns the guy and, and loses contain on a guy once or twice in a game, but he still provides a sack or two. I think you're just going to have to say that was worth it. Even, even if it is going to hurt, even if he can potentially hurt you, I think, I think you just have to put him out there. Yeah, I, I think so too. Just because you look at the way that that role has been cycled through. I mean, it's Julian O'Quara, it's Charles Harris, it's, uh, you know, Bruce Irvin, it's Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell, yeah. right. And, and I think that honestly, they probably got to the point, I think in the season where it was like, okay, screw it. We're just going to have a linebacker rush, right? Yeah. It's going to be Anzalone yeah. who we're going to send extra, or it's going to be Barnes and he's going to run right past Dak Prescott in the end zone. Um, you know what I mean? It, it's, it feels like it's morphed into, it's just an extra pass rusher. We'll just yeah. put somebody on the field and, and they're going to rush. Yeah. Um, which feels less like a role and more just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, very situational. And yeah. I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he can see the field this week. Right. Yeah. For even just a little bit. Yeah. Because that, that seems like an awful lot to put on a kid um, as young as him, as green as him, as somebody who was repping with the third team in, in training camp and, yeah. and whatnot. Right. Like you, you hope that you can get him on the field, but it's, um, I mean, the, the defense, right? Like some really, really big additions that they could be getting back that like are big time impact players that, you know, go to what you're saying, Jeremy, yeah. like that's how you generate turnovers. Ali McNeil getting push up the middle, CJ Gardner, Johnson, ball hawking, right? James Houston coming off the edge and putting, you know, a team behind the sticks. Yeah. Could be big, big things for a defense that's kind of been middling. But it, I, I would argue trending up a little bit, trending up right? a little bit. And and those three guys could really set it on. Yeah. Dan Campbell. Right. Right. That's right. Um, and yeah, I think, listen, build some confidence this week. Right. You, I, I, you don't have to necessarily win the game, but show up, make Nick Mullins uncomfortable, cause cause a couple more turnovers and then. You'll make, I think, a lot of Lions fans feel better. Maybe don't give up 400 passing yards to Nick Mullins. Um, because, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And we're going to get into it in the next segment. 
it's very likely that this team's next opponent is either going to be the Rams or the Packers. And both those teams happen to have some of the hottest passing offenses in the league. So if you can build a little confidence this week, you can show that maybe it's not only just about turnovers, but we can get the, the hand on them. We can knock away some passes. We can force some incompletions. We can force some punts. Uh, I think that could do a lot going into the playoffs. But let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to get into some of these other week 18 games to see who the Lions' next opponent will be, what seed the Lions will finish in, and what's the likelihood that they face some of these teams. So we'll preview some of those other NFC matchups in Week 18 when we come back here on a very special edition of First Bite. We'll be right back. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on First Bite, week 18 special edition. We just got done, done talking about Lions Vikings and previewing kind of what we want to see there. Let's talk about some of the other games that impact the Lions in terms of NFC playoff positioning. And let's start by by just let's get the hope out of the way. Let's talk about what needs to happen for the Lions to get the two seed. Uh, both games again happened at the 4:30 spot, so the 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 NFL seemed to purposely do this where the Lions don't have a ton on the line, and everything else in terms of NFC playoff picture happens. They're they're like seven four four o'clock games this week, which um, all the Lions fans are gonna you know want to quad box it, watch red zone, whatever uh, to to keep an eye on it. But let's talk about what needs to happen for them to get that two seed. Dallas at Washington and Philly at the Giants. Lions need the home team to win both of those games. They need the Giants to beat Philly. They need Washington to beat Dallas. Let's start with Dallas-Washington. I believe Dallas is either a 13 or a 14-point favorite. Do you Are you holding out any hope, any hope at all, that there's an upset that, in that game? Um, No. Short answer. No. It, I, what a what a strange week for Washington, too, because they said, oh, yeah, Jacoby Brissett, he's going to play. <laughs> and then it was, oh, no, he's got a hammy. Sam Howell, you're back up. <laughs> and it's and it just such a strange, like, I'm just so glad that the Lions aren't in a spot like Washington's in, right? Where it's like, oh, like, hey, our quarterback who could have been the quarterback of the future at the beginning of the year. We're going to go with Jacoby Brissett for the last couple of weeks until Jacoby Brissett can't go. And okay, now you're back into the fold. And it's like, what a lose-lose situation for Sam Howell. Like, poor guy. But uh, Jeremy, it it almost seems like it's not worth talking about because the Lions need both these teams to win, right? right? And it seems like the odds of that happening are so astronomical that if you were to put that together in a parlay, you'd have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> I... Yeah, I mean, 
I think the thing that some people are trying to hold on hope for is that Dallas is a very different team away than they are home, which is true. Um, but I feel like that's essentially the only thing you can really hold out hope here for the, the previous matchup was 45 to 10 Dallas. They won by five touchdowns again at home versus away. And it was a four point game deep into the second quarter. There was, it was 14, 10 Dallas. And it was only a 20 to 10 game at halftime. So they really poured it on in the second half. So, I mean, I, that's, that's kind of how I view this game might happen. Like Washington might come out and hold this one close in the first half, get Lions fans hope up and then just get washed out in the second half. That's what happened last week against the 49ers. I think they were winning at halftime of that game against the 49ers and then just got steamrolled. That was 13, 10 San Francisco at halftime. Close game. You didn't, they didn't score in the second half. And so, that's kind of how I view this one playing out. It's like maybe Washington keeps it close for, you know, it's a divisional game. It's on the road, blah, blah, blah. But if you're, if you're looking for like legitimate other than these kind of, you know, common things, tropes that I I'm throwing out road team, blah, blah, blah. Like there, it's hard to look at a matchup here and be like, yeah, Washington's got a shot. Yeah. And, and it, it's true. You look at the other matchup, you look at Philly versus mm-hmm. the giants. Yeah. Philly could really lose to anybody at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and and it's just a bummer because say that situation does play out. Tyrod Taylor balls out, gets a win against Philadelphia. The Cowboys roll over the Commanders. Cowboys are the two seed. It, I, I just want the sour grapes to say, stay in a bottle somewhere. Let them, you know, let them, let them do whatever wine does, and and just open that bottle later. Okay. Ferment, like, I believe is the word you're looking for. There you go. Thank you. Let <laughs> let those let those grapes do their thing. But like, I just don't want to even, you know, I don't I don't think even want it. to think about it. Like we're yeah. so far past that game. And it's like oh, I so it feels like Jeremy, when we yeah. move past these two games. Well, real real quick, before yeah. b- because I'm gonna look at the positive spin on that situation. Because yes, if that happens, a good portion of the fan base is gonna be mad that the lines then don't have the two seed. Yeah. But I think I do like having Dallas have that two seed over Philly because I theoretically in the second round, I would rather have to travel indoors to Dallas. I know they're an amazing home team, but the lines just showed they can hang in Arlington. I would rather them have to do that than go in Philly in the winter, potentially in a snowstorm, even though I think Philly is a much worse team than Dallas. I would still rather go to Dallas and go to Philly. Jeremy, have you seen the Lions play in Philly in in inclement weather before? Has that happened before? This is I'm pushing Jeremy's button because I cut you off and made you go back on the topic. You just twisted the knife on me from the stupid (laughs) Jeremy Ross, LaShawn McCoy game. How dare you, sir? I'm sorry, but it's a great point. Like, I'd rather see the Lions on on an indoor track, right? Yeah. Like yep. as long, right? As, as RJ mentioned last week on first bite, as long as it's not at four o'clock, right? Like we don't need the sun in the eyes of Jared Goff <laughs> at any point in that game. And we're already talking about the second round. So can we, can we yeah. go back to first round scenarios? Yes. Because it all hinges, right? Yep. On, on two other games. It hinges yes. on a, uh, what I've, what I've, uh, labeled the game as a, a mid off between Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold. 
the and the, I'm, I'm going to need a reminder on which which quarterback is on which team at this point <laughs> yeah no that's a good point um man it, it's been so long have you forgot that our, our old friend uh matt mayoko said that sam darnold was the uh best thrower in the history of the san francisco 49ers during training camp um <laughs> So it's Sam Darnold and, and the 49ers take on Carson Wentz and the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not just Carson Wentz playing for Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup's not playing. Um, they got some other, you know, impact the running back is, is yeah. out. Aaron Kyron Donald Lewis. is out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess first and foremost, who do you want to come out on top in that game? Is it is it a 49ers win that you're pulling for? It is. Yeah, I I, I don't want all the narratives. I don't want all the Matthew Stafford stuff. And and I think that's a very dangerous team right now. It's it's a little frustrating because I almost feel like the the like the the NFC East loser is in a better position than the NFC North winner because facing the NFC South winner is a better matchup than I think going against whoever is the sixth seed and most likely even who's who is the seventh seed. Like I think the fourth seed is going to be the worst team in the playoffs and arguably the sixth or seventh, maybe like here's the thing. NFC South winner love to go against Eagles. I'd love to go against six and seven seed. I don't like, I don't like those teams. I don't like, oh. I don't like the Rams. I don't like the Packers. And that's kind of it. Like if, if the Packers fall out and it's, you know, the saints or the Seahawks or the Vikings somehow get in, not scared of any of those teams. Um, but I would definitely put the Rams near the top of my list of teams that I don't want to face. And so, yeah, I'm pulling for the 49ers win here. I think it's very, very much on the table. Um, as, as, as we were saying in the first segment, it's not like these teams can bench all of their players. There's still going to be a lot of very talented players out there for the 49ers. I don't think the Rams have as deep of a bench. So when they're benching their three or four best players, I think they're worse overall than the 49ers. 49ers are also at home. They're also, I think, a four and a half point favorite. So I think it's very realistic that even though San Francisco has literally nothing, nothing to play for, while the Rams only have a tiny bit to play for, I think the 49ers win this game. And I think that's the outcome I'm looking for. Yeah. And, and then let, let's just talk about Green Bay, Chicago. Yeah. Right. Like, in, and we were talking about this uh, in between segments here, but this is going to be a really good football game to watch. Yeah. Like it'll be super competitive. The Bears are they they've just been playing really good football like over the past, I don't know, six weeks basically since Justin Fields got back and um, you know, Green Bay, right? This is a team that, you know, you just mentioned. They're they're a team that I'm not super confident going up against in, in round one if they're traveling to Detroit. And truth be told, how much of that Thanksgiving game is just a lot of confidence for a Packers team that, I mean, week four is a distant memory, right? Like getting smacked around in week four is a distant memory, but Thanksgiving wasn't so long ago. And you, you get some of that, uh, you know, you get some of that juju going around in the locker room of like, guys, we've, we, we did this like a month and a half ago. We can go and do it again. Right. That's dangerous for a team that right now their offense looks pretty darn good when it comes to the passing offense. And that's the concern, right, Jeremy? No question. Um, I go, I go back to my kind of preseason thoughts about both these teams. 
like we knew they were both going to be super young. We knew they were both going to have to do, you know, have some adjustments. Green Bay with a new quarterback, Chicago with an entirely new roster. And the one thing I think we said both about those is like, they could be a much different team in December than they w- they're going to be in September and, 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 and October. And that's pretty much how it's played out. You know, Green Bay's kind of been a little bit more up down where Chicago's like down, down, down. Now, now they're starting to see that raise that kind of the Lions saw towards the end of last season. And uh, here's the fascinating thing to me. I, I went to, to, to look at EPA numbers since week 11 on offense. Green Bay is number two in offensive EPA. Number two. Ooh. They're only behind the 49ers. They're above <laughs> the Ravens. They're above the Rams. They are above the Cowboys. They're above the Lions who are at nine. Two. Chicago's defense since week 11. Number one. Number one. That's, that's pretty surprising. Yeah. They're, they're past the dropback EPA. Number one by a pretty large margin. The run defense is about middle of the pack, but that's again strength for strength. The strength of the Packers' offense is their passing offense. The strength of the the Chicago's defense is their pass defense, and Chicago's offense has not been that bad either. They're middle of the range. I think they were seventeenth in EPA, and that's why I think Chicago could beat Green Bay this week because Green Bay's defense, or since week eleven, still crap, twenty seven in EPA, mm. and so I think. I'm going to call my shot now. I think the Bears win this game. I think they pull like they they pull the 2022 Lions comparisons full circle. They 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 go 5. I think if they win this game, they go 6 and 2 in their last eight and they knock the Packers out of the playoffs. Now, I I still think the Packers might actually get in even if they lose this football game, but I, I I'm calling the Bears. I think they win this football game. I really do. That's uh that's a spicy meatball, especially because it's at Green Bay. It's Lambeau. Like, it's big time. Who, I mean, who cares? Take them down in Lambeau. That's easy. <laughs> that place is not the boogeyman it used to be. No. It's all, the, all the old fans are selling their tickets. It's not the Lamborghini field that it once was. <laughs> that's right. Do you think I'm crazy, though? I, I, I do feel like that's very much within the realm of possibilities. It is just because I think that the volatility that that Bears offense has with Justin Fields, right? Yeah. Like there, there's a level of unpredictability in terms of uh, Justin could show up and have like a four touchdown game, right? He could also go in there and he could turn the ball over twice and the Packers cruise to victory, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like th- that could be true too. I, I do think the one thing that I think the one thing that might be true though is that could be a very low scoring game i wouldn't be surprised if yep. it was a low scoring game um nope. it's in Black the elements. blue division baby that's how it goes um but yeah it, it really feels like it's going to be one of those two matchups though right yeah for sure so what are you pulling for then what are you what are you hoping for what i i let i guess let's just take the two seat off the table it, it's i think we both agree it is too far-fetched you never know in the nfl and and if you know, home teams can sometimes pull off big upsets, but I think in general, we're looking at this and we're saying it's going to be the three seed, which means it's either going to be the Rams or the Packers. What are you hoping for? I, I just want the Lions to have a shot to, to win the rubber match between the Packers. And I think they would. Yeah. Right. Ultimately, I think that Thanksgiving was 
closer to an outlier than it was to a truth. And that was, I mean, that game, that whole game boiled down to a quarter and a half of turnovers. The game started in the worst way it possibly could have with all the turnovers. Goff has since, for the most part, cleaned that stuff up, especially the fumbles, right? Like November was the month of fumbles and and Jared Goff. And and I think that that has become less of an issue. The interceptions, eh, but, you know, um, I, 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 I do think that they would just win the trilogy. Jeremy, I, I do. Yeah. I, I think that I probably feel the most comfortable and the most confident in the Lions beating the Packers than I do a Rams team that, my God. Yeah. The, the one the one team out of maybe the entire, outside of the 49ers, and you said this on, on our podcast uh, earlier this week, right? Like, yeah. it's probably the one team that I, I wouldn't want to play in the playoffs outside of the 49ers would be the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. And to me, it comes down to defense. Not that the Rams have an excellent defense. I don't think they do. I think they have a very beatable defense, but the Packers to me are just an absolute fraud on that side of the ball. And they, I don't know how they did it, but they somehow got the Lions on Thanksgiving. They they caught the, you know, the offensive line in maybe their worst game of the season. Um, and, and once the Lions kind of fell behind, it, it just, they, they could never get it going again. And so as long as yeah, they don't fall into that quick of a hole, like they did in, on Thanksgiving, I think they're going to go toe to toe with them. I do think Green Bay is going to get their own on offense. So it's a it's a young, talented core of receivers, but they're not that good at running the ball, even though I know Aaron Jones is back now and, and he looked really good last week. The Lions can shut that down. They can force Jordan Love's hand. And I think when it comes down to it, I trust Jared Goff against one of the worst defenses in the league more than I trust Jordan Love against just a below average defense. So, yeah, I'm with you. That's that's the matchup I'm looking for. Uh, looking forward to, and uh, hopefully that's the one we get. Well, and and I know we have to watch the Lions at one o'clock, even though we just spent like a first segment talking about how meaningless, meaningless yeah. this game is. But like, what's the four o'clock game that you're most intrigued to watch? I, I mean, I think it is Chicago Green Bay, because to me, it's not even just about whether the Lions are going to get Green Bay or not. It's it's the future of the NFC North. Yeah, I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, I think this division is going to be very, very competitive next year. Maybe one of the best in the league. And it's crazy to even say that considering every single other team in the NFC North has a quarterback decision that is critical going forward. And but to me, like many of those are trending in the right direction. And, um, you know, with Chicago's defense turning the way it is with how young the Packers are on offense and now starting to figure things out. It's a very scary, but also very exciting division. So I think that's like a future of the NFC on the line there, because let's be honest, Green Bay makes the playoffs. I know they're a good story right now. I know they're playing really good football right now. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. They mm-hmm. might even, they might win a playoff game. They're not, they're not going to make a ton of noise. What they're really doing is like starting to state their cases, like look out, we're coming. And so the bears can be like, uh, you're coming, but after us, right. Not a weird, yeah. But yes. It, it it seems it's just so strange that uh, back in October, I think everybody outside looking in at the NFC North was saying that's the worst division in football. Yeah. Right. By January, it's one of the most intriguing and it could be shaping up to be one of the better divisions in football next year. No question. What about you? Is that the game you were thinking or is there another one you want to watch? I think so. I'm also just kind of generally intrigued and maybe I'm channeling my my inner Chris Perfett, but like 49ers and Rams is just going to be like fun to watch from the standpoint of like, is either team trying to win the game (laughs) 
Get a tie. You, you want a tie? That's really channeling your Chris Perfett if you want to do that. You remember the game? Was it was it was it down the to that point? What was the game last year where like oh, both yeah. the teams could just agree to like end up if, in a tie? If, yeah, if they would have just agreed to tie, they both would have made the playoffs, but like one one team eventually won. I don't remember who that was. Yeah, that was. I feel like it was Raiders somebody, but it was like Oh, it definitely can't, was. Can't both Raiders. Raiders Chargers, yeah. It's like can't we just both take knees and we can both make the playoffs? <laughs> Ah, uh, if only, if, if only, only we could live in harmony like that, but alas, we cannot, but Ryan and I can have a harmonious relationship. Even when we don't have a third guest here, when we have a reef here trying to tear us apart. <laughs> Precisely. That's going to do it though, for this f- special first bite edition, we will be back to our normal format. I put normal in quotations because this is, this is going to be the first ever playoff first bite. No, we, we must have had one in 20... Uh, no, I don't know. 2017? 2016. <clears throat> 16. Maybe we had one then. Well, technically it was 2017, but yeah. Um, I don't... Was First Bite a thing in 2017? I, I have think no it idea. Was. No Either way. I promise you we will have some sort of guest break it down and uh, get ready for a real fun January ahead. But until then, for Ryan, I'm Jeremy. Thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.